ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do, but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. So, who is Shayna Allen? <clears throat> A very complicated bird, nerd, science person <laughs> who loves facts and nature and photography and a wide variety of things. I'd say it's simple, but I'd say I'm complex as well. I think we're all kind of complex, but we want to be simple because we don't want to be complex, but I think I'm always a little bit of both. So what would you say is, you know, like your first love of all the things that you do and enjoy? What's your first love? Animals, for sure. Yeah. Animals. And then then photography. And then nature, probably, I'd have to say. But definitely animals first. I don't know. I just we you know when you're an animal person, you just kind of resonate with them a little better than you do humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, so you've had you had Bristol, your your dog, and then um you've got your tree birds and birds before that and you've got your butterflies so you know what why you know what what draws you to them honestly i don't know (laughs) i honestly don't know i just i don't like i said earlier I just I don't know why I love birds I just happen to understand them and I understand body language a lot more than other animals um they make sense to me better than like a cat does I like cats but (laughs) me me and cats are not always on the same wavelength Mm -hmm. Um, I can get along with dogs pretty well I can I can read dogs pretty well but I don't know I just seem to understand birds brains a lot easier than any other critter (laughs) Okay, so what what's what's the you know um, what are birds like, or is it breed specific, or um, does personality cut across um, the different breeds of birds? There are some varieties of birds that definitely have similar. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Personalities, in a sense, they're just like people. And they're just like any other animal. They each bird has its own likes and dislikes and their own personalities but um after working with them for years um I was a teenager oh my gosh it was so long ago it was like 20 years ago now (laughs) (laughs) 
you learn oh, traits yeah. about like cockatoos. Yeah. You learn traits about cockatoos and about macaws and about Amazons and Kayiks and the Conyers um, and their screams and how um, the pitch of their tones are to other birds when what their alarmed sounds um, sound like and what their happy sounds sound like. Um, and kind of like how parakeets act in a flock, how finches act in a flock, how lovebirds act, you know, together. And it's, you just kind of, you learn it over time, just like with, you know, learning any subject, you, you learn it over time. But um, they are, they're very fun animals. They're very hilarious. They're little comedians. And I would, I would swear that they know when they're funny. I've seen it with my own Senegal. They literally know when they are funny. It's like they have this comedic timing that's just perfect. And it's, I don't know how many times I've experienced I, to count, but there could be a situation with a bird on bird, you know, interacting. And it's, they'll do, one of them will do something on purpose to get like this comedic reaction. It's like, how, how did you do that? But that it's so fun to watch them and kind of see the little, wheels in their brain turning when they're trying to figure something out um when they are trying to be funny bonsai does it to me all the time she will hide under my covers and she knows i'm getting ready for work and she knows she's got to go back in her house she kind of had this schedule we're on in the morning and she will hide and i'll be ready to walk out the room and i gotta find her i'm looking through she knows she can hear me calling her name i'm like where are you and i have seen her she'll she'll be underneath my quilt and she has this very distinct movement when she laughs she kind of um, shakes her head back and forth really quickly and her eyes will dilate but she was under the covers and I can see her I can see this little ball <laughs> I think under the covers and I can see her head going like this so she's laughing because I can't find her <laughs> under my quilt um and my Conyer granted he learned uh, he learned how to giggle from me um, or from when I watch videos on the internet that has laughing as part of the show or TV show that's on. He learned how to laugh from that. And sometimes I'll be doing something in the room or talking to them and he'll just laugh at the perfect time. And it could be coincidence, but he's pretty spot on most of the time. <laughs> so they know, they just know when things are hilarious. I don't know how they do it. Um, but it, it's interesting to see them progress and learn things, kind of like people are fascinated when they have, you know, a human child to see them progress and learn things and see like the spark kind of go off and their, you know, the light bulb go off. But birds are very much the same way. I just like them because they're very cute and covered in feathers and very soft. <laughs> oh, but yeah, they're, they're a ton of fun. So your, your, the birds that you've had, have you had them since they were hatchlings or, you know, like, or... Uh, what's the right word when they were born yeah, hatched yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see I'm, I'm in a different territory but I'm enjoying this because I'm you're, you're making me think you know um yeah yes they're they're they hatch from an egg <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when there's more than one they're called a clutch and oh. I don't know why they're called a clutch I just know they're called a clutch I'd have to look that up um but I've never, I did not have them from like, the only one I had from a baby baby was Bonsai when I got her at four weeks. Um, but she came from an aviary down in Florida. So she, they couldn't ship 
the birds until they at least have their down feathers because I can't ship them when they're naked because it's um especially in the winter time she came in the winter time that year from I forget what year 2003 yeah she was born 2003 um my Kanye he was about six months old I had left my job at the pet store when he got there and when I came back he was there was two from his clutch that were left and he was the sweetest one at the time so I took him home and my cockatiel I did not get from a baby either I want to say he was probably about six or eight months old when I got him and it's actually harder to raise a bird once they're um, so many months old it's easier when they're babies because they look to you as kind of more mom in a sense I've had an easier time with bonsai because I had her um, basically in my care from four weeks old, but, um, she was, she was a lot easier and a lot sweeter. My other two that I got when they were a few months older were already starting to get set in their ways. Things that they were terrified of had already set in. Uh, so it took a while for them to warm up to me because I was a new human coming into their space, trying to tell them this is not a very nice behavior. We're going to need to work on that. But they've, they've come quite a long way. Binks has really um, grown out of his shell. He was super shy, uh, very scared of everything, scared of his own shadow, didn't know how to fly, which was a little bit intentional, uh, only because we clipped their wings to keep them safe so they don't fly into the wall and hurt themselves. But um, I'll let his wings grow out. And when I did, he didn't know what his wings were for. Had zero idea. <laughs> He knew he had wings. His body knew what to do, but he would try to take flight and his brain would literally just shut off. It would just stop. I could see it. He would, he would get scared or spooked by something. His body would go up, his wings would flap, and he had no idea what to do. <laughs> he didn't know to go forward and he would go up and he would go backwards and land. So in order to keep him safe from injuring himself, I would keep him um, trimmed so he could get up, but he couldn't go very far uh, so that I was there to help him whenever he got into any you know random spots in the room but uh it's taken 20 years to teach him how to fly and I'm a human I don't have wings wow. <laughs> I had to help him learn what his wings were for and basically work on his confidence quite a bit it took a long time so now he's gotten a lot more confident in the last few years and now he likes to hide and go down on the floor and eat the newspaper and throw a newspaper off of his roof <laughs> and crawl down his ladder and be hiding across the room, which is, is fun. It's, it's been fun to watch and see and kind of see like those little light bulb moments go off. I'm just like, oh no, <laughs> I, have, I have more bird personality to work with now. But I started... Um, working with like foraging things for them because birds love to forage. It's their natural thing is like nuts that are hiding in trees in the wild. That's what they're designed for to go find and forage things. And when they're in captivity, we give them a bowl of food and say, here you go. You don't have to look for it. It's just all right in front of you. So what I did a couple of weeks ago is I ordered these little, um, there's bird toy companies out there. I love bird toys. They're so much fun. Um, I used to work for one too. It was a warehouse and that was my favorite. Not the greatest job in the world, but it was super cool because I love bird toys. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of bird toy makers out there. But there's like all different parts and pieces you can put together and, you know, little foraging type contraptions. They love pistachios 
and I'll take pistachios and put it in this little cardboard triangle. And once they see the pistachio, they know it's there and then they got to work for it. I'll set it on top of their playground, on top of their house, and they got to go find it and dig it out. And to see those little eyes light up and they're just like, what? And then they got to figure out how to get it out. And that's good for them. They need that engagement, you know, just like dealing with toddlers or dealing with dogs and cats. You don't want them to be bored all the time. They get bored and they're going to look for other things to keep themselves entertained. So it's been fun to work with them and kind of find new ways to keep them active and not destroying my window still. <laughs> so, you know, like we, we have like, you know, puppies and dogs are, you know, they have the puppy stage and then they've got the, the, the young dog and then the middle-aged dog and then the, you know, senior dog, old dog. How, how, would you, how do you classify a bird's age, you know, the, the range? Is there a range? I'm sure there is, but it varies widely because the smaller birds don't last as long. The bigger birds can last anywhere from 80 up to 100 years. Mm-hmm. So some birds can have a lifespan similar to humans, um, but like some of the smaller ones wouldn't. But I would say there's definitely the baby stage. There's definitely like the wonky toddler stage. There's definitely the teenager stage. Yeah. <laughs> How long does that last? I'm not sure, but I think I'm still in it. <laughs> and there is the senior stage. I've I've had birds, my first parakeet and my first cockatiel. Um, either when they're blues hill started, she'd gotten a lipoma, I think it was. But even before that, usually some disease will kind of get them or nutritional deficiency will get them. But most of mine. Uh, most of my died just from old age. Most of my parakeets never really had much of an issue aside from old age, but there's definitely a senior stage where you've got to make sure that they're, you know, they don't get too cold. They don't get too hot. Um, if they do have any injuries, I've had, I've experienced that before. I've had to put them in a empty fish tank and keep them warm when they're not feeling well. So there, there is a different varieties of, or sorry, different stages of their age span, just like there is with any other critter. Mm, um, and, you know, you, you talk about, um, what's this, um, environmental enrichment for, for the birds. So, you know, like, um, what, what would you consider, like, best practices when you're thinking of doing something like that? You definitely want to try to engage their brain, just like you would... Um, yourself to keep yourself entertained or keep a a child's brain learning and and growing or you know even training a dog for different things Mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of toys out there that have been wonderfully made by bird manufacturers that have little pieces they have to unlock or get into or move a block from one side to another there's, um, I don't know what they're called, but they have like the colored sticks with the colored rings where they can take like the red ring goes on the red stick and the blue ring goes on the green stick. Uh, they can put like the coordinating colors because birds can see colors quite vividly. That's why all their toys are like rainbow colored and really, really bright. Um, but they can be taught to um, associate, you know, red goes on red, yellow goes on yellow, green goes on green, or putting um, a star shape into the star drop box or a circle into a circle kind of thing. 
they're very smart. They're very, very intelligent. So it does take some work to keep their brain occupied. Otherwise, they will find things to destroy. So they can either pluck out their own feathers if they get really bored. Um, they can start to find things to tear apart if they don't have their own like wood toys. My Senegal is, I call her a woodpecker because <laughs> she loves to destroy wood. Most birds do. That's what their beak is for because they'll, in the wild, they're naturally grinding like trees and barks and logs and things. Um, I have had to cover up my windowsill because my windowsill, there's a wood decorative piece underneath it. And she found it years ago and she just started picking at it. So my windowsill is absolutely destroyed. It's just a, like I said, a decorative piece. So it doesn't really matter. It can be replaced, but I've had to cover it and block her from it. And every time she has figured out how to get under there, I've got Velcro. I'm about to super glue it, but I, right now I have Velcro keeping her away from it. And even that she would find out how to get under it and hide under it and still get to it. But that was partly my problem because I didn't have enough enrichment toys for her. So now she's got, when I make a wood toy for her and she destroys it, I keep all the half eaten wood blocks and I've got her scattered around everywhere. So she's got wood blocks to play with and she likes to throw them off and her playground and throw them on the floor. And I pick them. it's a constant game of throw the toy and pick it back up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it takes a lot, especially when they're, I call her a little ninja because she's just, she's constantly into something. I love it when she has nap time, <laughs> but when she's in ninja mode in the morning, she is just on the bed, on the playgrounds, throwing this, throwing that. I've got um, little plastic, like the little red solo cups. I got some mm -hmm. of those for her so she could play with them and just, you know, toss them wherever she wants to toss them. Um, she's got a bowl full of wood parts that she can play with and, you know, take out like a toy box and they just need to be engaged and keep their brain going because they are so smart. Now, mine are not, mine are smart, but they're not super smart. I've seen plenty of videos um, where birds know to, um, in order to get a treat, they can work through a variety of locks and gears and things like that just to get a sunflower seed. It's, it's pretty amazing what they, what they're capable of. African greys are the smartest ones. Um, I want to say they have the brain of a three-year-old toddler three or four-year-old, five-year-old kid, like they're smart. They are super intelligent. I don't have a grade, but I know two friends of mine that do. Um, and they're, they're quite intelligent. If you ever um, go down the rabbit hole of YouTube videos, look up videos on African grays because they're just so intelligent. I'm just like, they probably know more than I do. <laughs> cool. So, you know, what's, what's an ideal diet for for birds or is it breed specific again or is it that general? depends on who you ask and who you talk to because just like in the dog space mm. there can be quite contentious um variety of answers of who gives what to birds when most people know that they eat seeds mm. um, which is pretty general um in the pet industry space there's a lot of bird pellets that exist and I was one when I used to work in the bird department at my local pet store I was you know talked to by the reps that would come in from all the companies and they would talk about how pellets were great had everything in them um, and we would spit that back out to customers too I remember saying you know it's fortified with everything that they need in it come to find out years later when you learn how pellets are made <laughs> which is not far off from how kibble is made um and with the dyes and the colorings in it, the rainbow colored pellets are not the 
best. There are other companies that have come out with other pellets that are a lot better grade. So sometimes when you say pellet, it's kind of like saying kibble. You don't know which brand or what, what process it went through. So there's companies out there that make cold pressed organic pellets. So I do feed my birds those ones that kind of smell, do you know what alfalfa smells like? Alfalfa hay? You kind ever of smelled green. alfalfa hay before? Yeah. The it's, there's, I don't, I think there's a little bit of alfalfa, but they smell so good because it reminds me of horses and like, because horses eat alfalfa hay. So I love the smell of the, of the, I call them alfalfa pellets, but there's more than just alfalfa in it, but it really has that smell. So they smell delicious. But uh, there are pellets out there that are colored uh, with all the colored dyes, you know, the red number four, the blue three, and the, all those chemicals mm. that are in them. So I try to stay away from those, but there's, there's quite a few companies that are coming out and that have been out um, making better quality food. And I love um, the, being on the internet and finding different people in the avian space. There's not a whole lot, but there is um, Dr. Jason Crean. I know I found him because he's friends with Dr. Karen Becker. He talks a lot about fresh food for birds and he's got a group page that I'm also in. And it's great to see more people ever so slightly ever. And it's, it's minimal, but they're out there talking about fresh food for birds. Cause a lot of people forget that birds are supposed to eat seeds and nuts and fruits and anything they can find in their natural habitat from, you know, whether they come from Australia or Africa or South America. So, but it can be um, quite contentious of like who wants to feed their bird what. Some people will stick with like the rainbow colored pellets because that's what they were told when they went to the pet store one time. So they stick with it um, and they forget about fresh food, but they, they do need a variety of, you know, fresh fruits and nuts and seeds. Mine love pistachios and walnuts and cashews. Um, they like carrots. They like broccoli. They love blueberries. Oh my gosh. I show them a blueberry and they lose it. Uh, Binks loves bananas. If I walk into my room with a banana, oh my, he, he would eat the whole thing if I let him. <laughs> it's a bit too much for him, but he would eat the whole thing. <laughs> So I try to give them a, a wide variety. They're, it's mostly seed-based for them and the natural pellets. And um, there's there's a company, I think it's called Golden Feast. They make a really good variety of like Madagascar blends and tropical blends and with coconuts and nuts and everything you could think of. So it it's good to give them, just like with any you know, a variety, but mostly things that are natural to them and not anything wonky. I've seen people give their, their birds, you know, coffee and soda and you know tasting pizza and um I cringe every time I see it <laughs> you know sticking their tongue on it won't hurt them but that's not something you want to do constantly because their body's not geared for you know super high fats in that sense you know fried fats that we can eat and they can't eat dairy either They're, they don't have the enzyme to process dairy so they can't have milk and cheese and uh dairy products in large quantities so but yeah are birds vegetarian omnivores do they eat worms they eat worms yes yes thanks for reminding me about that um i got into the worm thing because the from the mealworms the mm -hmm. mealworms so technically mealworm would be a protein technically it's another animal um but yeah they're mostly plant um and seed based and fruit based but yeah they will eat uh, mealworms. I've 
I think they probably could eat a live mealworm. I don't know. I've never seen a bird eat a live one. I would have to see that to believe it. <laughs> but mine do eat dried mealworms. And I I was kind of weary about it. There was a company I found that did like a bird food variety box of all, you know, natural foods. I think I got that like a year ago. And there was mealworms in it. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, I never thought to try mealworms. It never even crossed my mind. And it took a while for my birds to warm up to it. But now I put them in their treat bowl and their eyes just get so big and they're like oh it's my favorite mm. so it's it's interesting to see them try to eat but yeah but they're mostly um seed-based um plant-based and uh fruits and things fruits and vegetables okay it's it's um it's um would too much fruit be bad for them or too much of you know any particular food group yeah, I would say so. Um, even though that can be the bulk of their diet, just because just we know that uh, fruits and vegetables can be high in sugar, but sometimes they can be higher or lower in sugar at different rates. So like if I give my uh, conure a banana, I try to give it to them more when it's green because there's not as much starch in a green banana as opposed to like a uh, overripe banana. But yeah, they can be quite sugary. And my first conure that I had, he was also a blue crown. I had no idea that they could get uh, diabetes. Zero idea. I would oh. give them a treat set were full of dried fruits. It's mostly dried fruits that are sold for bird products. And I had a variety mix of dried fruits and I'd give it to him and he would scream when his bowl was empty. So I'd give him more and then he would scream and I would give him more. I'd refill the bowl every time he was out. I had no idea until I woke up one morning and his feet were purple. Oh, what is this? <laughs> he was having trouble standing up and his feet were like purple. So I called the vet. I went running in. Come to find out my bird was way too high on his sugar overload. And he's like, your bird's diabetic. And I was like, my bird's what? <laughs> Zero idea. So I was like, okay, well, we learned from that experience that too much sugar constantly, just like for, you know, us and other animals, it can, it can be a detriment. So the fruit is good, but yes, not in like super high, high quantities too much. And I think there's, a, there's definitely a difference between like fresh fruit and then your dried fruits. Mm. So you got to watch out for the content on that, but so, just like with anything, moderation. So I'm curious, like, so you had a diabetic bird. How did you treat your bird? Diabetes? Oh, it was years ago. It was, I don't remember. I know he probably got... I'm sure I got sent home with something or if he got an injection at the time of whatever to help reverse it. Um, and I don't remember how long it was after that, that he passed away, but I uh, not knowing anything about it and not knowing what I was doing wrong at the time, I had a small inclination, but I don't think we had the internet at the time either for me to look it up. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So with your with your three current birds, um, or you know, with your experience with birds, because you've had them for such a long time, um, what are the usual health issues that you have to look out for? Well, I'm not a good one to answer that question, only because none of mine have ever had a health issue. The ones I have now, <laughs> knock on wood. Conyers 20, he's never been to the vet ever for anything. 
and wow. here's my Senegal and my cockatiel. And some people may not like that because it is good to go to the vet to be like proactive and, you know, maybe get blood drawn once a year to find out what's going on. I've never taken them to the vet. <laughs> <laughs> not once. So, okay. So I'm curious. It, so do you need to vaccinate your birds or it's not necessary or there's no law for it? You know, like how with dogs or rabies or whatever. Yeah, no, I don't believe there's a law. And I'm sure there's, they can get vaccines for maybe if they have a condition, but no, there's no regulated, I, I, that I'm aware of anyway. I've, I've never heard of such thing or what have you. Um, I know we can get their blood drawn to find out if anything is, is going on, but no, there's no like mandatory, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> there's no mandatory vaccinations for birds oh man yeah because they're so tiny anyway you know um like you were saying their their lungs are very sensitive and small i think that's why like in the in the old days miners would bring like little canaries in, in a cage to bring them down into the mine shaft and if they dropped mm-hmm. dead you they they would know that there was like um toxins in the air and they had to evacuate mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah but, like um I ah, oh, but so you you're basically been pretty good with taking care of your birds. You've never brought them to the vet ever. Ever I have, ever. like I've had other ones go to the vet when they had issues. Uh-huh. Um, but I've never taken them in just because. Okay. Like I've never or because I've never, but yeah, if they do have a health issue that's showing, and then I will take them in. Like when my first conure's feet turned purple, I knew I had to go. Um, I did have one parakeet. He was in perfectly fine health. However, my Senegal was a baby at the time. She got mad because Topaz had flown down on the floor next to me and she bit his leg. <laughs> and parakeets have legs like toothpicks. They're so frail and their bones are hollow. So I knew he was injured. And I took him into the vet and the vet kind of did like minor surgery. I don't remember what he did, but yeah, I took him into the vet for that because I couldn't fix the broken parakeet leg. And I don't, I don't, the vet did a lot better than I could have, but it was very hard. <laughs> it was told. <laughs> it's literally like trying to do surgery on a toothpick. Um, but he survived. And I had to make e-collars for my parakeet too, because it was all bandaged up. So in order to keep him from tearing off the bandage on his leg, I had to make little paper e-collars for him. So that was fun. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, and he, he declined after that just because it ended up getting to him. I, th- I know he was on medication for it, too. And I had one parakeet. I don't remember how it presented. She ended up having gout in her toe. Hmm. I had to get her medication for that. So they can get a variety of diseases. Um, I also had friends that had, one friend had a cockatoo and was fine when the bird went to bed. And she uncovered her the next morning and the bird was dead in the bottom of the cage. And their liver, their, um, their organs can rupture too. And obviously that has to be some sort of deficiency that's been going on for some time. I don't know that spontaneous organ combustion is not without merit of something causing it. Um, but there's not a whole lot of research that's done to find out a lot of the causes, but I know they can definitely have nutritional deficiencies over the years, which could probably lead to that, which we know that, you know, in the dog space learning, knowing what we know now about that. But um, yeah, I, I know they can end up with a variety of issues. I just, I've been super lucky to have very minimal problems. And like I said, with the three I have now, they've never, they've never been, thank goodness. I've come 
kind of close sometimes when they, you know, have little minor injuries, but I, I know the basics to kind of keep them going. If they have like a, if I trim their toenail short and it starts to bleed, I know how to, that's an easy fix and things like that. But um, yeah, for the most part, they're pretty good. So I've, I've been lucky in that, <laughs> in that regard. You trimmed their toenails. I didn't even know that you could do that. Trimming oh yeah. Their they, their toenails were turned into daggers. They literally like needles and when when you hold a bird on your hand is when you find out how sharp <laughs> and <laughs> very uncomfortable their toes can be. So they do need their toes and they need them relatively sharp so that they can grasp the perches and their ropes and their toys and, you know, climb around their cage. But just like dog toenails, when they just get a little bit, you know, too much or, or cat toenails, you get those really sharp needle point edges, mm. you know, um, I don't know if you trim your all your cat's toenails when they need it mm. or if they kind of naturally kind of get worn down when they're walking on different surfaces. Um, and for birds, I know there's like different perch products out there. The perches that they will put in the cage or on play gyms. Um, some of them are made with like a kind of like a concrete or sandy type texture. And that's supposed to wear down the, the needle points of their toenails. I don't agree with those um, to a point because it's like sitting standing on concrete all the time barefoot and I don't know how comfortable that would be so some birds have them and apparently they do okay but you got to be careful with the the raw underside of their feet too but back to toenails they will get really really sharp and turn into these needle points and I'll just go and trim off the uh, tips of them just to kind of give them a, a flat um, surface so that when you hold them you don't have these four or eight little needles digging into your fingers so so how cooperative were your birds when you wanted to trim their nails oh they don't like it they don't like it at all (laughs) so how how did you get them to cooperate (laughs) they've gotten used to it and they'll tolerate it and you can kind of train some birds to to tolerate it after a while of course it's easier just like with anything if you do it from when they're a baby but basically you take it, I have a cherry cloth towel. I'll wrap them up in a towel and you have to turn them upside down. So they don't like being wrapped in a towel because that's very unnatural to them. They don't like being upside down because that's also unnatural to them. They don't like being in that, you know, submissive kind of state with a puppy, you know, or a cat, you can kind of play with them and they don't mind kind of maybe tossing around birds. Mm-mm. They're, they know that they're supposed to be upright at all times. So it takes a while to kind of work with them on that, but I usually takes two people for the bigger birds. Depends on if you can kind of hold them in one hand or not. So I'll usually wrap them in a towel and kind of use my bed to prop them up. And you have to be careful. You have to hold them by their jaw or their their low mandible and kind of get your fingers around their jawline to hold their head still. Otherwise you're going to get bit because their whole purpose is to bite you and get away from out of this towel because they do not know what's going on. And they, all I know is they don't like it. Um, So I've got to hold them carefully under their, um, jaw watch where their beak is and then try to grab a toe and hold a toenail and like trim it very quickly and carefully and precisely with like toenail trimmers and just kind of snip off the tip and hope it doesn't bleed (laughs) if it bleeds it's okay you can stop it but it's easier if it doesn't bleed Um, but it's it's not comfortable for them because they don't really know what's going on they don't understand the concept but I try to make it into a fun game and and be as light and positive as I can so that when it's over it's like one big happy you know, party as opposed to, you know, wrangling a bird and com- making them completely uncomfortable. But yes, it, it can be tricky, but no, they do, they do not like it unless they're trained well enough from the beginning. I've seen some people do that. Uh, there was a hyacinth macaw that used to be at the store that I worked at and I was, I was friends with her. Her name was Cookie 
she was very well known in the in the city we are in and uh we not me but i knew how to help the training process she was trained from a young age to go into the one corner of a particular room we would lay down a towel and she knew when it was time she would go into this corner and she'd just literally flip over on her back and we could just hold her like this somebody would hold her and somebody she was you know sweet as pie she was a big bird and her beak has like 3,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. So she could take her finger off if she wanted to, but she was trained from a young age. So it all depends on the, the training and how you kind of raise them. But yeah, and wow. in general, they really don't like it. So how often would you need to trim their nails? It just depends on how long you can kind of go with dealing with the sharp sharpness of their toes. Okay. But so every, in nature, I mine every few months. Okay, so in nature, they're naturally sharp, right? Or they get yeah, worn out? Yeah, they'll kind of get worn depending on you know, all the trees that they're on. But yeah, they're naturally a lot sharper because nobody's holding them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody has any reason to complain about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they need their toes. I mean, you think of like bald eagles and hawks and they need those to be able to like grab their prey when you know they dive down into the waters and grab fish out and stuff like that. Or if they grab like a, a rodent or a mouse or whatever, they need those claws because that helps them you know, that's their device for grabbing food. So yeah, they're a lot sharper, naturally. So you said birds by nature know that they have to be sitting or standing upright and not upside down. Um, yeah. How do they sleep? They sleep right side up. They sleep on their feet. They're on their feet from the day they're born. Wow. As soon as they hatch, they're on their feet, which is kind of crazy. They don't I mean, you know, like we see ducks and gooses, you see them sit down or like kind of squat. Birds don't really do that. They do when they're baby babies, but once they're old enough and they're on their feet all the time, they don't really, they don't squat and sleep like ducks or gooses do. But yeah, they're always on their feet all the time. And they don't fall off. Nope. There's actually, um, a lot of times they're asleep on one foot too. They actually, I forget what it's called, but they have like a locking mechanism in their legs that keeps them standing upright. They can kind of, you know, wobble a little bit, but um, there's actually a mechanism in their body that helps the standing foot that they sleep on stay in a locked position and keep them from falling over while they're asleep. It's like, it's like horses, right? Or am I being ignorant here? Do horses have a locking mechanism? I can't remember. It- they might. I don't, I should know that, but I don't. Because horses can sleep laying down too. But um, yeah, they also, they'll take naps and doze off while they're standing up. So they, they I'm sure that they have some sort of natural uh, device that keeps them standing up as well when they doze off. So birds basically are for like always on their feet standing mm-hmm. until the day they die, literally. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if they, if you see them horizontal, you know that that's that's bad news. Yeah, <laughs> some of them can be playful. They can be taught to like you know roll upside down. But yeah, <laughs> if there's a bird laying on its side, it's not a good sign. No. Mm, okay, you know I've learned so much in this call. It's 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 <laughs> actually really fascinating. I have to thank you because I've been so curious about birds, and I know that you're a bird lady. So this is this is really interesting for me. Um, question sex. How do you tell the gender? It's actually very hard. You can't do it just by looking at them. Most birds have to have a DNA test done. You have to send in a blood sample and find out. 
Oh, you really you can't. Yeah, once they're had, no idea. You got to send a blood sample. There's probably breeders and people have been in the business for years on end. Probably have a you know quite a good guess on um, what their birds are. I know my cockatiel is a boy from a couple of habits that he has. They're very male related that he does quite often. So I know he's a boy. I don't have to have DNA tested for that. Um, but there is one type of bird called an eclectus. If you want to look it up after we're done, there's actually a male eclectus and a female eclectus. And one is bright green and one is bright red. And the female is red, if I remember correctly, <laughs> and the male is green. And those are the, they're, it's called sexually dimorphic. But those are the only ones that I know of, um, unless there's like for the exotics anyway. I'm not sure about like more of your wild natural birds, but uh, for the exotics, they collect this are dimorphic, where you can tell them apart by looking at them. But most birds, nope, you can't. And okay, so this is for me will be the, the baby sex talk. How do birds procreate? Have you ever seen a mating done? Not in person, no. I've seen videos of it. And I think there's some birds that mate in flight too. But yeah, uh, you'd, have to, you'd have to YouTube that. I don't know how to explain it properly. <laughs> <laughs> but it is possible. <laughs> oh my goodness. And do your birds, okay, since, um, so, okay, so they've never, you've got three birds. One is a male for sure or you're pretty sure it's a male. And I'm others... 99% sure he's a boy. <laughs> okay. And then the other two, you don't know. Don't know. No. But I, I would have you to guess. guess my, I, think, I think my Senegal is a girl only because she doesn't have any bull habits like my cockatiel does. Um, if I had to guess, and I, I think I did look up for Senegal's they have the yellow V on their belly. Most of their belly is green, but then they have like this bright yellow V that starts like from under their wings and kind of goes down to their um, vent. Um, and I think boys have a little bit more yellow and girls have more green. So that's another way I can kind of tell with her a little bit. There's some, sometimes some feather variations. But with my blue crown, they all look the same. I have no idea. I call my blue crown a boy all the time, just out of habit. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, it's pretty inexpensive to get them tested. I just never have because it it doesn't matter in that for some reason I'm not bothered by it whether they're okay. boys or girls. So okay, so do they go on heat? You know, like dogs and cats. Um, supposedly I don't I don't know for certain. I've never really looked it up, but they don't go in like a like you can't like you were a female dog or cat. Mm. um but they can get quite hormonal i hear talk about that all the time well, they're, they're like my birds acting hormonal and that could be a variety of reasons whether it's the you know time change the amount of sun that they have in the day um when they're molting because they'll molt several times a year as well i haven't experienced like what people call hormonal birds mine are pretty even keeled all the time you know just like us they get grumpy when they're mad if you take something fun away from them, then they just get irritated, <laughs> just like anybody would. Um, but I've never, I've never really had any reason to see from my birds that they go through any stages of being, you know, extra cranky or anything like that by being in heat. I'm sure that they do, 
just like most female animals have to, you know, go through a cycle, but I haven't seen it myself with mine. Mm. So has your male bird tried to mate with any of your female birds? When I had my female cockatiel or my female parakeet, he he wanted to make little baby cockatiel parakeets, <laughs> which I had to tell them several times that was not possible, but he wanted to try. <laughs> and my female parakeet was not having it at all. She just because you know the cockatiel is like three times her size for one. <laughs> But my cockatiel wanted to make little baby cockatiels. I'm like, that's going to be a weird looking bird if that actually works out. So, <laughs> But uh, biologically, is it possible or no? I, hmm. I don't know if you could interbreed species. I don't know if anybody's ever tried. I've never seen any evidence of that. Um, because, you know, know, you've got mongrels it, and mutts, you know, and, and cats. I mean, like, yeah. like, mixed breeds and stuff. So I'm just curious with birds. I don't know about different species of birds, but I do know, like, with macaws and things, they'll get, they've made such a variety because there's blue and golds and there's scarlets and there's green wings. But then, and that's what I knew of when I started working with birds, over the years, there's like harlequins and Catalinas, and now there's like all these subspecies, and it's a, it's still a macaw, but it turns into different color variations, which is pretty cool. And Catalinas are really pretty, but you can have your your conversion of your blue and gold that made it with a green wing, or your scarlet that made it with a green wing, or your green wing that made it with you know they can all like intertwine, and then you can get subspecies because now a Catalina can breed with a harlequin, and then you get another I forget what that's called, but it goes on and on and on because people like to crossbreed all of them. So it can be interesting if you ever kind of dive in and, and look at all the crossbreeding types, but that was too much for my brain to handle <laughs> when they started crossbreeding and coming up with all them. I was like, I can't remember all these. It was hard enough to learn, you know, all the varieties of cockatoos and macaws and conures and um, it, yeah, it, it, it gets quite deep. It's quite deep, but they're, you know, they're beautiful creatures, absolutely beautiful. So, but no, I've I've never heard of like a macaw mating with a cockatoo. I don't. Okay. I don't they wouldn't do it naturally. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's tried to do it unnaturally, but that would that would be rather strange. I don't know if that would result very well, but I wouldn't recommend it either. <laughs> so, what about eggs? You know, do they like you know like chickens? Do they lay eggs? Or yours have never laid an egg. Might have never, all, all the birds eggs. I've had might have never laid an egg. No. And females can. They can lay an egg even though, you know, it's unfertilized. They can totally do it. But mine never have. Um, and I have heard stories where female birds would lay eggs and they would still be territorial over them because they think it's real. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely can. Mine, mine never have though. Wow. Okay. And you've had quite a few birds and you've never had uh, one that laid an egg. <laughs> Nope. Even though I know I've had girls in the mix, I've never had one laying egg, no. Hmm. Why is that, do you think? I, I guess they just didn't feel the need to if, or if they weren't around a male. A boy. Okay. Yeah. Because my, my first parakeet wasn't around a boy. Because I don't, 
I don't know if my first cockatiel was a boy or a girl. I never found out. Um, mm. Thinking back, very, very easily could have been a girl. But I, I would imagine that if they're more in the presence of a boy, maybe that would more kind of fire off their natural instincts. So I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that one a little bit more. But yeah, mine never have. Hmm. You seem to have been really lucky with your birds, huh? Yes, thank God. <laughs> like I said, knock on wood. I've been, I've been quite, quite fortunate in that regard. But they're, they're in a pretty safe space. I keep them in my room. You know, I take really, I take, I'd say really good care. I take the best care of them that I know how to do. I keep them away from toxins. You know, I try to give them the best uh, food that I can offer them, variety of seeds. Um, I give them fresh foods every Sunday. I could do it more, but you can't leave it in the cage all day when I'm at work. So when I'm at home, I try to give them a lot more fresh foods. If there's if it's a real food in a bowl for too long, it gets funky and gross after it's been there for a while. So, but I do try to give them, you know, bananas when I got them, all sorts of, you know, nuts and things and just try to change things up. I make toys for them to kind of keep them interactive. I love buying new bird toys. Um, I did that a couple of weeks ago and spent a few dollars that I probably didn't have, but I did um, well that's because you're um, a pet mama yes and just like I said trying to keep them you know just in a safe little bubble and sometimes it if I think about it I feel like they haven't experienced a whole lot because they do keep them you know in their little bubble they can come in the bathroom with me they can come in the spare bedroom with me if it's really nice outside during the spring and summer before it gets like way too hot um I have a a spare cage I can put them in and let them enjoy when it's like a beautiful like 70 degree day and the sun shining and they can come out and they'll stay in the cage but I will take them out like on the back deck so they can see you know any other birds kind of flying around and hear the natural sounds and get that fresh air too but they're always you know exposed to fresh air when the windows being open and just being in a nice safe little bubble with where not a whole lot can hurt them and that, that, I think that's pretty ideal to keep things around for quite a while is to keep them safe and away from dangerous things and, and knowing what is toxic to them, knowing what's deadly to them and, and keeping them away from those things is to keep them very happy. So, okay. So ignorant question, toilet business, how does that work? They make a mess. <laughs> they make a big mess. No, they, so some birds can be trained to go, um, to the bathroom in their cage. Some of them cannot be trained to go to the bathroom in their cage. They just go wherever they want to go. So I, in my case, I have, uh, mainly because they throw food everywhere too, but they will poop wherever. My cockatiel, I've made like a little playground for him and an extra perch between two pieces I have. And he poops constantly. So I have to keep a piece of newspaper on the floor. Otherwise he's going to ruin my carpet. So there's newspaper everywhere. There's terry cloth towels, there's beach towels mainly just to keep everything easily um cleanable i have learned over the years uh, <laughs> to use a lot of towels and a lot of beach towels to keep the carpet clean because i got new carpet years ago and i was like well and i told i told my parents i was like we're gonna have orange or green polka dots so i will have to carpet clean the carpet quite often so which i do regularly <laughs> but yeah uh, they, they make a mess everywhere okay so so um do they do you bathe them 
they can be bathed um they usually will take their own bath my senegal and my conure will take a bath in their water bowls well yeah she takes a bath in her water bowl because it's big enough to hold her she can get a whole body in there and my conure has a bowl for water to drink out of and then a bowl i call it his swimming pool because it's big enough to kind of get his body in there my cockatiel she'll try to take a or sorry lemons oh boy <laughs> to keep them all straight um he will try to get in his water bowl but he can't fit because it's too small for his body and he tries he tries so hard um so i did get him like um a stainless steel really shallow bowl and um, I had it up on top of the extra cage for weeks. And I changed out the water, make sure it was fresh and not, you know, grimy and gross. And he just would not go in it, would not touch it. And I would try to, you know, play with it and just tell him it's water, would not touch it. So my cockatiel, I had, I'll take him into my bathroom and I'll close the door and I'll hold him on my hand over the bathroom. And I get a, I have a small spray bottle that I'll put warm water in so that when it hits him, it's not freezing cold. Um, but I'll spray him with water just to kind of get him a little water bath every so often. But I don't know how often I need a bath. My uh, Binks and Bonsai will kind of take a bath maybe once every two weeks or so. They just kind of get in whatever they feel like it. They just, they had, they both took a bath at the same time. I think it was Friday or Saturday morning. They were just right in their bowls, just splashing water just everywhere. But they, they get really into it and it's like, all right. If y'all want to take a bath, go for it. But yeah, they usually pick and choose. But my, my cockatiel, I have to take her into the bathroom and kind of spray her down every so often. Because it is good for their feathers, you know, for their conditioning to kind of keep them. Um, so, in, so in like hydration, right? You know, like dogs, cats, they do drink some water. But most of their water comes from the food, from the diet. If you feed them like a fresh, fresh food diet kind of thing. Um, how about birds? They, they have to get their water from water directly unless, I mean, some fresh foods are going to have moisture, yeah. Um, but because a lot of times in captivity, their food is mostly pellet and seed-based. There's no moisture in it. So, yeah. They don't drink a lot of water, though. They're not, you know, gulpers like dogs and cats are. Mm, okay. Okay. And have you ever tried, like, um, you know, like... Um, you have like plain water bowls, but have you ever tried like putting like some mint or lemon or, you know, like um, infusing infusing water for them, like teas or something? Would they drink anything like that? Or it's just plain water? There are avian teas that exist. I have seen them. There's a company called Greywood Manor. And I've never tried tea with my birds because I don't see them drink a lot of water all the time i know they do at some point but i hardly ever see them drink water um but there are avian teas that exist out there and i love some of these companies that are coming out with really great natural products to help with any issues that bird parents might have um they have one called pretty plume they have one that deals with more like hormonal they've got, i think they've got like six or eight different varieties of teas so yeah they can have it you know all herbal all as long as it's herbal and natural they can have avian teas that help with um, different issues that birds might be experiencing. I actually have one of their powders that can is made for their tea, but it's just in powder and like super, super fine powder. And I had to get that and use it for Binks because he was having a tail feather issue problem. He kept breaking it and his feathers were not growing right. And since I've been using the, um, it's a dry form of the tea. I don't put it in anything else. I just sprinkle it on his food. 
since he's been taking that, his tail feathers have been growing in a lot better and a lot stronger because he was having feather strength issues. But um, yeah, they can have A, B, and T's and different herbal products to help them out, which is kind of cool. So if, you know, like, like um, if someone came up to you and said, hey, Shana, I'm thinking of getting a bird, um, what would you advise me? The first thing I would say is definitely research, just like with any other animal you might bring into your house, make sure it's the right fit. Um, and if you see a type of bird you might be interested in is to find out how long it lives, what kind of environment it needs to live in, what kind of um, enrichment activities it might need, how much playtime and activity it will need from you, how much time and devotion it needs from from you the owner and what they need to survive well on with food and what kind of things are dangerous to them and then <laughs> once you find the type of bird that might match up with that then you want to look at um, whether you want to adopt one whether you want to get one from a breeder if you go with the adoption route you know how old is the bird what kind of you know emotional baggage or any traumas a bird had beforehand because that's going to be very difficult for a first-time bird owner um, if you don't know parrot behavior um, or if you want to go with a breeder maybe get one that's younger and raise it from a, a little bit of an easier standpoint in my opinion um, so there's there's many different factors but a lot of it is making sure that you have the time to devote to them because they can live so long there's so many birds that um, people will get and they might be, you know, gotten it from an adoption type standpoint and then it just doesn't mesh well with the owner because it was pretty or they always wanted a cockatoo, but they didn't realize how much work went into a cockatoo um, and then they have to turn around and, and give it up. So there's a lot of bird sanctuaries out there that exist because um, maybe someone didn't do the right research to find out if that bird was going to be the right fit. So. It's just like with anything, you know, we all research when we get a new car, you research when you get a house, you want to make sure it's going to be the right fit for you. You know, it's the same way, you know, whether you get a dog, a cat, a bird, a, a rabbit, a turtle, well, you know, whatever, you want to make sure it's going to be a right, the right fit and then learning what they need to properly survive well. Mm, okay. Because I have always, you know, in my romantic head, always you know wanted you know a bird or two or more um i think you know it's it's always been that you know when you watch the the cartoons or the movies and you know like say a pirate you know would have a, a bird on his shoulder kind of thing or you know um when when you hear these stories of how loyal some birds can be and you know they bond with you and it's a very intimate relationship because um they can fly or they move around, you know, in a very three-dimensional space, you know, like aerial kind of way compared to say a dog or a cat where it's, they're pretty grounded, you know, four paws or, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but birds, you know, they, they come from, you know, above and, you know, and, you know, when you tell me like, you know, they'll sleep with you or snuggle and go under your coat <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man, that'd be so nice, you know. Um, yeah, I've, yeah, I've always, you know, had this um, 
uh, I don't know, was, you know, imagine I would have bird friends kind of thing. And then I've, you know, a few times I was this close to like, hmm, I would like to get one. But then I see like, like currently I've got 12 cats and one dog. Don't think it's a good idea somehow. But it might, <laughs> the bird might either die from a heart attack because of all the cats trying to pounce at it. Yeah. Or, you they know. Can, birds and dogs and cats can get along. And usually like bigger birds tend to do better with other, um, with small dogs or cats. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the small birds like your parakeets that don't always fare well for someone who has cats. I have a friend of mine who she's about ten minutes down the road. I got to babysit all of her entire zoo minus the dogs, so they take the dogs with them. Um, she has four dogs, a bearded dragon, an African gray, and when I babysat, she had two parakeets. Now she has five and a cockatiel. So- wow. <laughs> But the, the parakeets and the cockatiel are in a kind of like a sunroom so the door can close. There are some cats that will go in there, but the cats will like hide under the covers that she has on her couch. Um, and the African Grey will is in his house and will tolerate the dogs too. So it, it very well depends on the type of bird's personality, will they, whether they get along with dogs. And sometimes it only takes one, you know, bite from a bird on a, on a cat paw or a dog paw. And the, usually the cat and dog will learn from not touching the bird ever again. So I've heard stories about that too. But yeah, it can be done. But usually if you have a smaller bird, like a parakeet or a cockatiel, you kind of want to keep them in a safer space away from the cats until they learn their boundaries. You can never be 100% safe that, you know, the cat may not pester the parakeet or anything like that. But if you know your animal well enough, then yeah. But most people will, when they get a first bird, they're generally directed to a parakeet or a lovebird or a cockatiel. It kind of depends on, you know, cost-wise, how much people want to spend and size-wise and time-wise what they can put up with. But yeah, it's, it can be done. But yeah, you just have to be very careful with it when you have other species in the house. Okay. Yeah, because I know you dog, you sort of, you do dog sit, like your your friends, um, your neighbor's dog will, will come in and stay, you know. So how, how do your birds react when they see the dog? or they don't care they actually they don't see the dog at all they and even yeah even though i would let um my neighbor's dog come upstairs and stay in his spare bedroom it i would actually let uh his name is wesley he's a cute little golden retriever he's so sweet um i would actually let him sleep in my room at night the first few times i would have him he had to let him come upstairs and i would cover up the birds and put you know beach towels on my floor and let wesley spend the night in my room but the birds never saw the dog ever even though the dog's in the room they never saw him um but yeah and even when I had Bristol the birds never saw Bristol either because I knew that they would be absolutely terrified and I didn't want Bristol to think it was a toy so (laughs) yeah and Bristol was in the house for eight years the birds never saw the dog ever (laughs) wow I was like nope they're not going to see each other we're going to keep them separated so like I said it can't be done you just got to be careful about it and keep them in their own spaces but yeah um so some some people may have like an extra you know a spare bedroom or um a sunroom or something like that i'm lucky i can keep mine i keep mine in my bedroom but a lot of people will keep especially bigger birds they'll put them you know they have bigger birds have the huge cages for them or they're part of the family and they're always out like in the kitchen with with the family too so it just depends on the dynamic that you live in and um 
like I said, how much time you're home to have them out and be a part of the family with, because that's the most important things for birds is they are flocks and, or they're usually part of flocks, part of a family, part of a culture, part of a community. So you never want to get a bird and be like, oh, I have a bird and then just stick it in a cage and stick it off in a room somewhere and maybe spend like five minutes with it once a week, other than food and water. But um, they really do like to be part of a community. That's why I always have more than one because I'm, I'm their person. I'm their, you know, playmate. I'm their food person. I'm their water person. I'm their, I'm their everything person. So mine don't go downstairs and, and play with, you know, anyone else in the house or any other or critter. So I have to spend more time in that regard playing with them. But yeah, it, it can be done to have a, you know, multi-species house and devote the right kind of time and space and make sure everybody is safe and getting along. So what about like, say, if you were traveling, you know, you, you mentioned that you stay with your parents. Are they able to, are your birds, um, do they respond well to your parents or are they just, just a one human kind of bird? Most birds, generally they pick one person that they, they like the most. And then they usually have like a person that they'll tolerate. And when I, when I do leave, like I was gone the other weekend for two nights, my, my parents won't let them out because I know they can't get them back in. So I'll, they're still in their houses for trying not to let them go for um, usually more than two days. I don't like to leave them teased up for that long. But anyway, back to your question of who they like. It's funny because my cockatiel does not like my dad for whatever reason. My cockatiel will just like puff up his feathers and act like he's all, you know, <laughs> rough and tough and, you know, Crest feather goes up and everything. He's like, you can't touch me. But the other morning I was showing my mom, you know, a refresher of how to take care of them when I was going to be out of town. And Lemon was just singing for her and talking up a storm and just thought she was the prettiest thing ever and super sweet and everything. So it's like night and day. <laughs> it's, and it's funny. And my other two will tolerate my parents when they come in and just, you know, give them food and water. They're, they're kind of They'll be shy and they'll kind of look at them. They don't really know what's going on. They know it's not me. They know it's another human form. Um, but yeah, there are birds that will, they pick their human and they stick with it. I've heard many stories where a husband and wife would get a cockatoo or a macaw. And usually a lot of times it's, I don't know if it's certain for every single time. A lot of times the male bird will bond with the wife and the female bird will bond with the husband because the birds can kind of tell who is the male and who is the female in human form so they'll tend to bond with their opposite and there's i've heard many stories where one bird you know picked the wife and hates the husband like hates the husband and i'm like i don't know how you deal with that because i can't help you with it <laughs> but it does happen there was and kayaks are the same way i love kayaks they're super funny i love watching videos of kayaks and i knew several when I worked with birds years ago, there was a bird named Eli. I think she, I think she was a white belly. And Eli had a lot of friends. She liked a lot of us, but she hated um, my, well, one of my good friends that owned her, I owned Eli, she had a sister. And Eli hated the sister, hated her, would chase her through the house until she was like up on the bed and like, you know, like she was scared of a rat kind of deal. Eli just hated her. And I was like, well, that's strange. And I had another friend who got a kayak. I think it was a black cat. And her name was Jane, the bird, not the human. <laughs> and Jane hated me. 
Jane, I went over to my friend's house one time in her apartment and she had Jane out. And I was not afraid of Jane. I was like, all right, it's another bird. I work with them all the time. Jane hated me, like chased me down the hall and where I had to jump on the couch to get away from her. <laughs> she, was a, she was like a piranha. It was crazy. Yes, they have, they have people where they, they and she loved her owner. Their owner could do anything in the world with her. But when Jane saw me, she she wished death upon me. <laughs> it's it's funny to think about it, but yeah, it's they're it's weird how they do it. it it's so strange how they just like their people and just hate other people. It's so funny. Do butts have teeth? No. no. They have an upper mandible and a lower mandible. Okay. And they're very strong, but it's basically like one, it's like one giant tooth. Kind of, but they use that and when they eat things they use their foot to like hold a nut and sometimes they can turn their foot this way and sometimes they can turn their foot that way too depending on how they want to get to what they're holding but they use their foot to hold their food mm-hmm. item whatever they're eating at the time um but yeah and they just use one big so they and they don't have like um they don't have saliva like we do or like dog or cat do their their mouths are dry okay they have a tongue yeah mm-hmm. oh. it's weird and you can sometimes on some birds i've seen it stick out quite a bit when they're trying to like wiggle around and get you know a nut out of a shell or whatever so their tongue sticks out but kind of in the back of their tongue i don't know how to describe it it's kind of like if it was the, it's kind of like that shape kind of you know like a long oval so their tongue will stick out but in the back part of their tongue is kind of like hollow and I don't know what that part's called, but it's weird. And it's kind of like these have these little like bristly things on them, but it's not a full solid tongue like we have. Kind of think if you had like from half of your tongue back, if there was like a little cavity in there, mm-hmm. that's how their tongue kind of is. I don't know if that helps describe it, but it is kind of weird. I've seen that on the bigger birds. Like my Senegal, her tongue is so small. I can't really see back in there because her, her, her beak is all black, mm-hmm. but she's got a little pink tongue. It's kind of funny. She got a whole black mouth, but a little pink tongue. So what, okay, so I mean, like you obviously have a very close relationship with your bird. So how would, how would they show their affection? They, it depends on the bird, but a lot of them do like to snuggle, especially with the, you know, their particular human that they've chosen that they are best friends with or bonded with. But they do love to snuggle. A lot will a lot of bird people tend to like hold them up under our chin kind of deal and let their head kind of be right here or um a lot of people teach their birds to give them a kiss i've done that with my birds too um they know how to make a kissing sound um and even with my uh with binks my conure i just have to give me a kiss and he'll kiss me on the cheek and make the kissing sound with it as well (laughs) and part of that is learned behavior but Uh they kind of, I don't know it. I know I taught it to them, but at the same time, it feels like it's just a natural thing. And I know birds in the wild, like when they have their mates, they'll do what's called aloe preening when they have all their pin feathers coming in on the back of their head and they can't reach themselves. Another bird that's their mate, or maybe a really good friend, but they usually have their mate do it, um, will pick their pin feathers for them. So birds naturally kind of know that if you, um, if you scratch their head for them, that that's, it's partly affection, but partly a natural like preening process too. 
that's probably why Bonsai is so attached to me because I'll get in there and I'll rub her neck feathers and get her pin feathers for her. And that is a version of aloe printing when your mate um, will help you out with your feathers and all this. I found like horses will do the same thing. They'll kind of, um, if they have it on their neck, they'll go up to another horse and kind of, gnawing is a bad word, but they'll kind of like nibble on the neck spot of another horse so that the, they can oppositize each other. So birds kind of do that too, which is kind of neat, but it's a lot of them don't, may not show affection at all, really, but there's quite a few out there that do love to snuggle or give kisses. Mm. So do you think you have birds as long as you live or will there be a cutoff point for you when you will stop having birds? I think I'll always have birds. I can't imagine not having birds. <laughs> I really can't. I've, I've thought about it. But it's like, I can't, I can't picture a life without birds. I don't, like I said, I don't know why I'm drawn to them. I just, cause I understand them so well and I understand their personality and this, and what, what their psychology is. But um, yeah, I think I'll always have birds. They're, they're so fun. They're so cute and they're hilarious to watch and, and learn new things. But yeah, I'll always have a bird. So do you, uh, is, do your birds have like godparents? No, I should probably work on that though. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, thinking like, well, if you intend to keep birds for as long as you, uh, you, you know, as possible yeah. and then you gotta think about you know what happens if you're not around you know if something yeah, that's happens a, that's a thing um there was people that would come in and, and get macaws as babies and you know these people were in their 40s or 50s and they could only afford you know getting the bird in the cage and you know the the cost that comes with them and they knew that they would have to put the bird in their will to the kids or the grandkids or whatever um, so yeah, if you get a bird when you're older, especially a macaw that's going to live or has a possibility to live to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, you got to think about what their care is. And that actually, um, I had a friend of mine who ended up with a green wing through kind of a random e experience, but um, my friend had passed away. Her husband inherited the green wing, plus a cockatoo, plus a new macaw, if I remember correctly. Wow. And he, yeah, he took care of him for as long as he could, but he ended up working too much. So he didn't have the time for him. So he didn't want to, you know, the birds to be neglected and he ended up giving them to a sanctuary. So that's why a lot of bird sanctuaries will end up with a lot of birds because owners pass away um, either from old age or, you know, poor health or what have you. But it happens quite a bit that these birds outlive their owners. And I had a friend of mine I worked with a couple years ago. She changed jobs and I haven't talked to her in a while, but she, got a green wing a couple years ago and I'm older than her <laughs> she, she got a green wing a couple years ago and she said I'm gonna will this bird to you and I was like I'm older <laughs> than you how do you know I'm gonna live longer <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I gonna do with the green or blue and gold I'm like, I don't know but I don't know if I'm still in the will because we don't work together <laughs> anymore and she doesn't um, have kids so I'm like I don't know what she's gonna do with it but I might hear from her in about 40 years <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, I forgot to ask this thing when we're talking about toilet business. Is there, is there such a thing, you know, like for us um, dogs and cat owners, right? 
um, especially if you're like a fresh food feeder, we kind of obsess over what's a good poop and what's oh, a yeah, bad yeah. poop. Is there a same thing that applies for birds? Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's I, I don't know how to describe a good poop for them, but because it, it's nothing like dog or cat poop is. It's just usually green or green and white. Um, but if it's runny or watery, then you've got to look into, is there something going on? Um, has it been running watery for a while? Or could it be something they just ate? Like mine will get uh, more watery poop after they've had fresh food because there's a lot more moisture in it. Um, it can be watery if they're nervous. Akanya gets nervous quite a bit and then he'll have runnier poop then. And if they eat blueberries, their poop turns purple. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know that. See, I'm learning yeah, so, so can, much. Yeah, I can change colors. I noticed that it'll be a little bit more to the purple hue after they've had a blueberry. And if they've eaten a, um, more orange things, it'll turn more brown. Right. So, yeah, so and it will, and with mine, if it stays like certain colors for like certain odd colors for a long time, then you want to look into like what might be going on if they're eating too much of the same thing or if they have some sort of internal issue going on, um, either deficiency or maybe the start of a disease or anything. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the same, same thing with dogs and cats is you want to make sure that the, the poop is good. And if it's smelly, I've, I've been around birds that have like smelly poop and it is, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's funky. And you know, when it smells funky, um, if you got one of those going on, they can have any number of diseases that might be presenting. So, and then you have to get that checked out, but yeah, it's, I know a good poop when I see it, but if I do see like kind of a watery run or a funny colored one from my birds, I'm not that concerned. I'll, I'll kind of make sure it's okay and not continuing for, for too long. But yeah, mine always are pretty good. Um, so when you sleep at night, how many birds sleep with you? They all sleep in their houses at nighttime. Okay. Although I have, I have let, like I'll take a nap with bonsai on my bed. Um, but yes, they all, they all go to their own houses and they get covered up because mm -hmm. I have my fan on. Um, okay. And either the heat's on or the, or the AC's running. So I don't want to be too hot or too cold. Um, but yeah, they all sleep in their own houses. Ah, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'll let Bonsai take a nap with me. She'll get on the covers. Like, well, if I'm still awake watching TV or reading a book, she's not trying to eat my book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she does all the time. But um, yeah, she'll sleep under the under the quilt, and she'll get down by my feet and hang out down there, and she'll just take a nap. And I'm like, all right, and I'll I'll whip the covers back. I'm like, time for bed. You got to go in your own house now. <laughs> She gets so mad. She hates it. <laughs> so if, you know, you, if you could um, have one more bird, um, you know, is there a particular species you would like? I've always wanted a goffin cockatoo. Just what, because what are they like? They're, they're a type of cockatoo, but they're smaller. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit more of a slimmer body and they do have crest feathers, but they're tinier than like a regular cockatoo and like big crest feathers that come up. Goffin has like more of a little one. Um, I, I always wanted those only because I knew one when I worked at the pet store years ago that was like really, really sweet. And I was like, that'd be a good size cockatoo if you wanted to start to 
cockatoo land. Because <laughs> 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 oh. they're not, they're, they're still just a bit as obnoxious and they're still a cockatoo. Um, but yeah, those are, I would probably go with one of those. I can't afford one <laughs> or everything that goes with it. But uh, I, I, I've never had a desire to have a macaw or, or a gray. A lot of people get grays because they're smart and they're fairly well, relatively, I say small, but they're not like ginormous, like a macaw with a huge long tail um, or, you know, big old wingspan. But I've had a lot of the smaller birds and I know I never want a lovebird. I babysat lovebirds before and they're cute, but they squeal and scream and bounce like little jumping beans. They're adorable. <laughs> they're, they're beautiful colors, but they don't talk. Uh, lovebirds just squeak all the time. It's like a little squeaking, bouncing bean everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'd probably say a goffin cockatoo because they're kind of fun. I have a friend that has bare-eyed cockatoos, which is similar, but um, they have more skin around their eyes. Um, but yeah, I would go with a small cockatoo. I just don't have the space for it. So you 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 just mentioned that you know you're not into the lovebirds because they don't talk um they just squeak and make noise um so would you say that a prerequisite for you is that they have to be you know chit chatty it not well for me okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because we know that we know they have the ability to talk, it makes it a lot more fun to interact with them. I, I'd probably say most people would agree. I can almost have conversations with my bird, depending on you know what I've taught them and the words I know. You know, not a super intelligent conversation, but it's very funny and it's very fun. Um, but it, it's kind of like you talk to your dog or you talk to your cat, and you can kind of tell that they understand you. Of course, like with dogs, you say certain words, like you say, do you want to go for a walk? And they're like, woohoo. Yeah. You know, birds are the same way. You, you say some of their favorite words and they're just like, okay, this is exciting. So is it same kind of interaction you can get, um, you know, when your dog gets super excited about something, birds can be the same way. Um, since I don't have and have never had birds that don't talk, it's, um, or they can still get excited. I remember when I babysat the lovebirds, that, you know, super happy little critters um but they're just happy all the time <laughs> they're super happy all the time so so you so, so you like your, so you like your birds a little bit you know a bit moody sometimes a little mellow i like happy but a little mellow is good too yeah and i tried i think i had i had finches temporarily for a time i don't remember what the situation was but somebody had finches and they couldn't keep them in somehow i had them for a little while and finches just make these beeping sounds, these very faint like beeps all the time. And I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with the beeping constantly. <laughs> and plus, finches are pretty. If you just want to have them, you know, in a, in a really cool aviary and give them a home, that's fine. But you can't really interact with a finch or in canaries. I had a friend that had canaries too. They're beautiful. And like I said, you can give them a, you know, a really cool, you know, aviary and you know a safe place to live but you can't really interact with them like you can conures and cockatoos and macaws so it's, it's kind of like the reason why we get a dog is because you want to interact with it you want to play you want to you know teach it to catch a ball play frisbee you know pick up the ball and bring it back kind of deal and that's why a lot of people get birds because they know birds can talk and they're like 
uh, they just want a talking bird, but there's a lot more in, that goes to do it than just having a talking bird. But yes, it, it is more fun when you can kind of communicate and have almost a dialogue with them too and, and teach them things and teach them words. Speaking of which, I got to go get bananas because I told, I said bananas in front of Banks. <laughs> now he wants them. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I, I want to thank you, Shana, for, for sharing your, your love of birds to, to, as a pet parent. Uh, because this is one topic that I've always wanted to ask someone about um, because I've been so, I've always been curious about birds, you know, because I got zero knowledge about them and, you know, and I'm so blessed to have met you as a friend and, you know, to have you as, as a, a bird mama, you know, as a bird parent, you know, um, to share, to share your love with them as well. And I just really want to thank you because, yeah, I just learned so much today. It's like, it's like, wow, okay. Well, I get one. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> now that you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. yeah. They're a ton of fun. I, I mean, I, I recommend them, but there's, there's different, there's definitely, you have to have the right personality for a bird. And it's mm. not like we're all, we can be all animal people. But some people might gravitate to horses better. Some people might gravitate to, you know, reptiles better. Somebody might gravitate to, you know, dogs better and, or cats or, or hamsters or whatever kind of, you know, some people like fish. I'm not a fish person. I've tried fish. Can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. I think they're beautiful. I love to see them at like the science center. But I cannot do fish. Um, and I've, and I've known people who they, their expertise is fish and they're great at it. I just not me. And I think it's the same too. It's like, I just have an affinity for birds and, you know, pretty well with dogs too. And we all just kind of find our way and, and what works out best for us. But I do recommend them because they're, you know, they are a ton of fun, but yeah, you gotta have the, you gotta have the bird personality for it and then want to take care of them very well since they are such delicate creatures. Mm, okay. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of fun. And, and I enjoy, you know, watching like light bulb moments go off for you too. You're just like, wow. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize there's there's quite of a bit in, involved in, in taking care of them. You know, it's just like anything, learning a new subject about it, you know, it's a lot deeper than we realize. But yeah, definitely check out some some YouTube videos on birds and behaviors. And, you know, I used to follow a bunch of them on Instagram. I, I don't see them much anymore, but there's some really, really intelligent creatures and they're fun to watch. And for comedic value anyway, if you ever ever not having a good day, definitely look up some bird videos. <laughs> wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.